God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. We do have to mention some sad news. Prince Philip passed away 99. Now, that's a long life. Yeah. He was actually one of my favorites. He he had a bit of wit and uh, a bit of humor. I think he didn't take things as seriously as some. And uh, uh, from what I from what I've heard, he's uh, you know he's going to be sorely sorely missed. Sorely missed, yeah. and he was the longest serving consort because the queen was the person who was the governing person. So he was her consort and so, husband and husband. Let's not forget and, about that. And let's not forget about that. I mean, the father, father of four children. So yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah husbands count. Uh, yeah, maybe I, not, maybe not in the world we're living in. Uh, because you know, uh, if you're if you're a white male husband, you you are not as valuable as say a person of color. That's what's going on in Oakland, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oakland, they're giving out five hundred dollar checks only to people of color. Why? Isn't that reparations? <laughs> and did they sign off on that? Did they elect you know the official to say, "I want you to take money out of my pocket and give it to somebody else." You know, it's absolutely absurd that we live in this world where we're actually talking about skin color. I mean, how in the world do you actually control the color of your skin? It doesn't make any sense. And the last time I witnessed racism as a systematic thing, I, well, I never have, actually. I never, ever have. Now, I know it exists, you know, my father is a Native American Indian. I think he's probably experienced racism. I'm sure he has. Well, no, I, in fact, I know he has. Yeah. So, yeah, in my life, I'm thinking of uh, a social club that yeah. he was rejected from. Right, yeah. As based on those types of things. Right. Yeah, they're, they're far and few. You were to, if you were to talk to my dad, he doesn't feel victimized. Oh. He feels 
Uh, he feels gra- le- he has gratitude in his heart. I love that word. Yeah. But he has gratitude in his heart because he was given an opportunity in America, back when America was great, and we're trying to make it great again. You, 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 in fact, you're holding the mug right now. Right. So what's which one? Oh, yeah. That's that's the coffee mug. That's the coffee mug. Keep which America one? keep America great. Oh, keep America great. No, this I want the MAGA. I, want I don't the know make if America we have a MAGA. Again. I think we've just got to keep. But the, but the point in what you're saying it's it's very um, important because what we're we're talking about is how we had you know some some people who um, were not part of the club originally, and this will go into what we're going to talk a little bit more about later, who you know found a way of getting around that. I mean that you know they. They still they they were accomplished. They achieved their goals. They built themselves up economically. They pulled you know the expression you like to use all the time is lifted themselves up by their bootstraps. They still faced uh, the ivory tower biases, etc. But they got past it. They didn't sit there with the chip on their shoulder for forever. No, and you always say, you know, Scott likes these stories that of these social climbing stories. I, I do too. I mean, yeah, but I, you always say that about me because uh, I mean I. Uh, I do. I love. I gravitate toward those stories, whether it's Goodwill Hunting, uh, where there's a person from the street that actually is gifted with, you know, a lot of intel, a lot of uh, high IQ, right, and is going to have to actually make that transition into, you know, a bigger world. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's why I love all the writings of Fitzgerald. But. I was talking to you before the show. We were talking about the subject that we're going to be talking about today. And really, it's an extension of what we talked about yesterday. And I ran out of time. And if you recall, I basically said, you know, we're going to get into this tomorrow. And this is all about this wokeism and political correctness on steroids and all these different things. But Fitzgerald... Fitzgerald. It's someone I gravitate toward, and oh. you're a literary scholar. No, so. I love um, two. Two of my favorite writers are are F. Scott Fitzgerald, you know, and John O'Hara. And I've written some articles about them. But part of the reason why I like them a lot, and I think this is part of the reason why you like them a lot, Scott, as do a lot of other people, is they gravitate towards these stories. They personally identify with stories of people that found themselves at odds with the uh, social club at the time. Fitzgerald, when he wrote This Side of Paradise, this was based on his experiences as a little boy, like looking into some club, like as a child, that he couldn't be a part of. And that was the fabric of what led to some of his greatest works, uh, This Side of Paradise, The Great Gatsby, etc., where he talked about um, you know, feeling on the outside. And John O'Hara, and I've said this before, John O'Hara never got over the fact that he didn't go to Yale. He, he was going to go, but then his father, who was a doctor, died, and there wasn't money, and then O'Hara had, had some disciplinary problems in school. And so years later, he's a famous writer, and Hemingway makes a joke and says, we should all take up a collection, uh, Ernest Hemingway, let's all take up a collection and send O'Hara to Yale. Because he never got over that feeling of oh, not Hemingway being... Oh, said that. Uh, about John O'Hara. And, and, and all these people drank like fish. Oh, my God, yes. How, O'Hara, I think, later, O'Hara later stopped drinking, but he, he Fitzgerald was... Fitzgerald drank himself to death. Yeah, Fitzgerald drank himself to death, but um, O'Hara... And what was his wife's name, Fitzgerald? Um... Uh, Zelda, Zelda. Yeah, Zelda. <laughs> I, I was blanking it for a minute. They made a series, and I've read book, all these novels oh, the, the about story it. Of Z, um, Z, Z, the beginning of everything is Zelda. Yeah. Zelda Fitzgerald. That's a great yeah. series. Yeah, it was a very good series, and the and the book that it was based on it was very good too. And she was a writer. What was Z on Netflix? 
I think it was on Netflix. It came out in like 2016. It was about seven or eight episodes with right. Christina Ricci. Fantastic performance. Yeah. So I love these social climber things, but what would he have said about today? You know, like literally the old boys club is alive, well, and kicking. It never ended. In, in the Oval Office today. Uh, because, you know, basically the situation is that's what this that's what political correctness is all about. Yeah. When when we talk about political correctness, oh, political correctness, you know, you don't want to No. When you start treading over free speech, you start treading into some really dangerous waters because we are in dangerous waters and we're going to get into that deep in deep waters today. Uh, so today I'm excited about it because this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Oh, me too. I love this topic. I, I um, find it to be a very thought-provoking but topic. But before we do, I had a, um, I had a, a, a listener write me. Uh, to, uh, we get a lot of emails. We do. And a lot of texts. And we're getting more now. Yeah, well, we get a lot. We've, we've, got, we've been getting a lot for a long time. But um, every once in a while I get one that really is piques my interest, right? And so this um, this woman, you know, uh, uh, wrote in and and basically wanted some information about this new intro that is preceding the show, and it's not new really, but you know, it's a poem. It's about faces. It's never alone, and uh, it's that poem that you heard before the show, and um, and uh, it's a British woman, and one of the things was. You know, I didn't know who this British woman was, right? And I yeah. didn't know what she looked like. Um, but it turns out that this woman is Kate Temp- Tempest. I was saying it's a great name. I was just- People's Faces, right? <clears throat> so it's a woman named Kate Temp- Tempest. She's a British woman. She's fair-skinned, freckle-faced, red hair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was not the look I had. I had like an olive skin, kind of urban... Uh, look uh, for the person that was actually speaking that. You know why I think you think that? I think your perception was colored by the images that were in the video because she did a good job of being diverse oh, in the goodness. video. So that's what made you think that yeah. you know yeah. that, that so, was um, her so, her particular so here, complexion. He, here's this this um, here's this Kate Tempest. I just want to play this just before we get into the neat. You know, before we get into the deep. And we talk about the politics of wokeism. Um, what I want to do is just play a little bit of this clip from Kate Tempest doing people's faces. But this is the long version. But we're not going to play the whole version because it's six minutes. It's too long. Seven minutes. But um, we we're going to play a little, give you a sample of the origin of that poem, not just the commercialized version. And here we, here we go. Let's see. So, this is Kate Tempest, and I just fell in love with her poetry. I, I like I like poetry. So, here we go. I came to under a domed roof. The light was cold and clear and fragmented. The people were moving. I watched them. I saw a muscle of schoolgirls performing. I saw the ticket woman massaging the small of her back. I saw the young gent as neat as a crease in his work clothes. And I saw the light 
It was as light as breath on the dirty old track. It's coming to pass. My country's coming apart. The whole thing's becoming such a bumbling farce. Was that a pivotal historical moment we just went stumbling past? Or well, no matter, here we are, dancing in the rumbling dark. So come a little closer. Give me something to grasp Give me your beautiful crumbling heart Another disaster Catharsis Another half-discarded mirage Another mask slips I face off with the physical My head is ringing from the love of the stars There is too much pretense here too much depends on the fragile wages and the extortionate rents here. We're working every dread day that is given us. Feeling like the person we could be, it really isn't us. Like we're gonna buckle underneath the trouble. Like any minute now, the struggle is going to finish us. And then we smile at all our friends. It's hard We've got our heads down and our hackles up Our backs against the wall I can feel you aching None of this was written in stone There is nothing we're forbidden to know And I can feel things changing Even when I'm weak and I'm breaking I stand weeping at the train station Cause I can see your faces There's so much peace to be found in people's faces. I saw it roaring and I felt it clawing at my clothes like a grieving friend. It said there are no new beginnings until everybody sees that the old ways need to end. But it's so hard to accept that we are all one and the same flesh Given the rampant divisions between oppressor, complicit and oppressed But we are, though, more empathy, less greed and more respect All I've got to say has already been said You heard it from yourself when you were lying in your bed and you couldn't sleep Thinking, couldn't we be doing things differently? I'm listening to every little whisper in the distance singing hymns. And I can, I can feel things changing. That's pretty amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's, just it's re- looking at her, I'm looking on your screen and just seeing her <clears throat> expressions. The music itself is so evocative that it really draws you in. It does. It does. And, you know, um, uh, there's just so much of that. You know, we live, uh, one of my favorite poems is by Windsor, uh, Alexander Pope, Windsor right. Forest, about chaos and mm-hmm. uh, not chaos um, and confusion, but, you know, harmony. Uh, we live in a world 
uh, that's so, uh, you know, there's just so many moving parts. And, uh, but it's the way God intended it, right? Yeah. I mean, the, this is God's creation, that we are all part of, you know, this whole, all these moving parts in the world. And what we need to do is we, we need to respect each other. And I just, you know, I want to take this into the wokeness uh, and say that wokeism and political correctness, uh, I don't think really need to, to, be, to take a part really in this whole thing. Um, one of the things that I think wokeism, well, we've always said that political correctness is a way to silence a debate. Absolutely. Right? Because if, if, if I don't like what you're saying and I just call you a racist and I shut down the debate because you're not being politically correct. And I'm talking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump was all about standing in the face of political correctness. He did it from out of the gate. He took his finger and he pointed it at the media and said, you are guilty of political correctness. Yeah. You are guilty because you don't like the color of my hair or the way I talk. You don't want me at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. You don't want me at that club. The elite ivory tower tenure professors. Yeah. They don't want the common man. They don't want a commoner. But the but the to, uh, uh, irony is it, of it is they pretend they do. But they pretend they do because they know right from wrong. They're they're not stupid. They're smart. But they know that that's a threat. Just like every, you know, if you were to watch Hunchback of Notre Dame, and uh, they were talking about the big, the the most threatening weapon to the hierarchy was the printing press. Right, because people and, could read. And they, they, if they can read, if they can be informed, they'll understand. They'll be empowered, and you know, having too many people empowered weakens our power and no longer can we control the people we'll have to serve the people oh what a concept isn't that what our constitution is all about isn't that what our republic is all about it's about politicians leaving their homes and leaving their work life and leaving their job and going to washington to serve the people as uh, you know for a certain period of time and then go back to their life and go back to their job and not do it for celebrity and not do it for fame and fortune and not do it for 50 years, which is what every single one of these liberals that are controlling your lives come from. They're all living in $4 million houses. Uh, how Maxwell, how, how um, uh, Maxine uh, Waters, how Maxine Waters can actually get a $4 million house is beyond me. It's not even in her own district, and yet she still keeps her seat. To me, that's a mystery. Yeah. Because she's about one of the dumbest people I've ever heard speak. You start a crowd, and you harass them. You chase them out of that restaurant, she said. She's inciting violence, which is what people have accused the conservatives of doing. But that's not smart stuff. Of course not. And she's not serving... All of the people, she's serving the people that actually empower her, enrich her. And she's conning them by telling them a pack of lies. And that brings us to the next point. 
that these politicians are serving way too long, but there are actually unintended consequences with term limits too. I, I don't have, I'm not settled on that debate. Term limits appeals to me, but yet there are some ramifications to, to setting term limits. You and need to have a marriage between maintaining stability in government but getting new people in and getting fresh blood in there. Right, but see, the problem with term limits is that then turns a politician into a bureaucrat. Right. And if you were to say, okay, then you can't serve in government, then that turns a bureaucrat into a lobbyist. Right. And, well, that's the uh, revolving door between industry and government, you know, right. that we keep talking about. Exactly. And, and, and a lobbyist to an advocate. You know, from, and, from, uh, from, from uh, K-, K Street back and forth, you know, they just walk around the same different areas. Right. So um, we, have, we have woke – so basically it's political correctness – is the precursor to wokeism. But now, uh, with uh, political correctness, okay, that was the testing ground. Right. That was the laboratory. Right. And now we have wokeism. What is wokeism? Wokeism... Bad grammar. No, wokeism is, uh, you know, one of these things where you, you actually take it to social media, and now you have a social media score. You know, like, for example... um, you know, wokeism is if you don't agree with me, you're a racist. If you're a racist, you're not welcome. If you don't wear a mask, you're not welcome. If you don't believe in the government, you're not welcome. You're banned. And, you know, the other part is that the control of people, the control of content. So political correctness was always about controlling the debate. Wokeism and this whole thing brought about by Black Lives Matter and exploited. Uh, again, the liberals are exploiting the black people as they have since the, the 1860s, as they have since slavery, when they fought tooth and nail for slavery. And George Wallace stood in front of that door and said, black women, these little black girls or black uh, children can't go to school in this white school. Mm-hmm. Integration's off limits. This was a liberal Democrat. Robert Byrd was the KKK Grand Wizard, happened to be the last KKK member, and he was a leader in the Senate that was praised by Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. But people don't hear these and stories. And he is a Demo- He was a Democrat. Yeah. And but, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but people don't hear these stories. They think the narrative is the other way around. And you, you know, we were, we have this great article by Victor Davis Hanson that we were going to mention. Yeah, yeah we're going to cover that in the. We're going to cover that in the where second he gets half, a lot yeah. more where he gets into this in, in more detail and shows the hypocrisy. Yeah, and so you know you have this um, you have this political correctness as the precursor to wokeism, and it all starts to come together. Because you also had climate change. What was climate change about? This is something that the liberals created. They made it up. They just made it up out of thin air. It used to be called global warming. Yeah, but then it, it started getting cooler or something, right? <laughs> uh, there was a global pause. Um, There's a great uh, audio uh, exchange between the head of the Sierra Club and Ted Cruz. I thought Ted Cruz was a masterful debater in that exchange. But 97% of the scientists, 
Well, you know, it sounds familiar, right? 17% of the, uh, seven, all 17 intelligence agencies, 97% of the scientists, right? But they were all using flawed data. What is 97%? 97% is like a poll, isn't it? 97%. So they went to a poll that they can fabricate to actually get achieve the outcome that they wanted. COVID is now life and death. Well, we did try to tell you that, that climate change was life and death. In fact, Obama went and gave commencement speeches at military institutions when he was president and said, it's not nuclear war that's an ex- ex- accidental threat. It's, it's climate change. And we all on the right laughed. Yeah, that's what Al Gore said 18 years ago when he said seven years the world's going to come to an end. That's what, that's what Ocasio-Cortez says. Everybody knows she's a joke. But the Green New Deal. Right, but she said basically we have 12 years before we all die. All right. Well, that's not... How do you explain the banks? The banks are actually giving loans out for beachfront properties all over the place. The most expensive properties on earth shouldn't be oceanfront property if, if it's going to be a bad investment. No, they have underwriters and people looking into all of that that determined that, hey, it's safe. The world's not going to come to the end. Your building's not going to be underwater in 12 years. Sometimes it takes six years just to build the building. You mean you're going to live in there six years and you're going to be like, okay, the building's gone. We, we have to tear it down now. It's underwater. Can't swim. So these polls, 97%, right? How about... Biden's up 35% in Wisconsin. That's another poll. If you could rig a poll, then why can't you rig an election? See, the thing is, is that um, Cheryl Atkinson went into this really great speech, and she was talk- She has this new book out. Can you find the name of that book, by the way? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, I watched this speech yesterday. Now, it wasn't a new speech. It was fairly new. It was post-election. Um, and she, she gave this speech, and she was talking about case studies. She was literally citing samples and examples. I would love to play the whole thing, but it's like 50, 50 minutes long. Um, it's a wonderful speech, and I recommend everybody uh, go out and try to, try to find it. Well, she has a book called, which came out in 2020, called Slanted, How the New News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, but that came out in 2020. Oh, 20, well, okay, yeah, but she went, she went to the book, and um, so there was this, um, there was the, let's see if I could find a short version of, well, this, this, actually, this is actually quite good. So let's see if we could take a listen to a little bit of the sample of what I was talking about. Okay, right here, let's see. The military and media included his trips to South Korea okay, so this, as notches on his belt. This, this is a good example of the fake news, right? Now, this, is, this plays right into the story I want to tell. All right, let's, let's take a listen. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but what I'm saying is if they were looking to dissent is a normally anti-Trump Eric Wimple of the Washington Let's take so. a listen here. The article back. was correct, but on December 26th, the situation changed. Trump and the First Lady, Melania Trump, 
made an unannounced visit to troops in Iraq. As a result, the thrust of this article is no longer correct, even if it was at the time. In the interest of transparency, we are keeping the article on NBCNews.com so that the record will reflect the situation on the day the article was published and are directing readers to an article about Trump's Iraq visit here. We are also altering one line in the article, as well as the headline, to be more specific. So what she's talking about is where the news came out and said President Trump is the first president, uh, you know, in history or in a long time that didn't go and see the troops and instead he's tweeting all Thanksgiving morning or something like that. Turns out that's not true. He actually showed up there. So instead of retracting the story, uh, and by the way, that proves that they were actually making the story up Mm -hmm. out of whole cloth, that they didn't have a source. Mm-hmm. And so when you are a journalist and you report news without having a source, you are basically manufacturing the news based on your own belief, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that was the story there. there. There's a lot of good pieces to this. Uh, I'm trying to pick a good piece. Like, Hold on. If she had attributed the claim that Trump was golfing on Thanksgiving to an actual source instead of reporting it as if it were her own firsthand confirmed information. Huang isn't the only one who seems to have abandoned the basic journalistic practice of attributing information to its source. Reporters now routinely declare information to be a fact as if they have personally confirmed it when they could not possibly have done so. There was no election fraud or there wasn't enough to change the outcome of the election. The reporters claiming these things haven't gone to any precincts and examined records or interviewed witnesses on the ground. They're just declaring something they want to believe as a fact. Third, the problem with the Newsweek story, there is a baffling failure to fact check. This is one of the most basic tenets of journalism. No matter how obvious something seems, no matter how many others are reporting it, no matter how obvious a video clip may seem to show something, it often proves to be wrong. That's so that's the premise. And yeah. that, that lends itself into what we're talking about, disinformation. So polls is dis- disinformation. Mm-hmm. But polls... They, they have pollsters, and they use algorithms, just like um, the social media and big tech does. So the whole censorship and the whole disinformation, and the thing is is that you know it's disinformation, and you come up with the truth, and the truth is going to embarrass the elite media to the point where the big tech is going to protect them because it's, again, the old boys club. Wokeism, wokeism, and this this uh, censorship is all about keeping the commoners away from the club. Yes, and so uh, you have polls and you have disinformation, and it's designed to tell you things that can't possibly be true. For example, if, if we know that Mitt Romney probably beat Obama. But yet, somehow the election, the polls... In the 2012 election. Separately, yes. yeah. And we know that there's no way that Hillary beat Trump in the popular vote. Mm-hmm. There's just no way that that was the case, given what we saw with our own eyes. Mm-hmm. And we knew that there's no way that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. We know that. It's just your own eyes. 
But what they're doing is because they control the scoreboard, they control the entire scoreboard. They could just punch into the keypad what the score is going to be. It doesn't matter what actually happened on election day. The fact of the matter is, is that they could tell you that the sky is up or the, you know, the, like they say, Cheryl Atkinson said they actually lied and got the story wrong and they never admitted guilt and they never retracted the story. And do you know how many times that's happened in the last year alone? Right. And, and just like Rachel Maddow, you know, he still can't win, right? Trump can't win, even if he won all the swing states and all the toss-up states, he still would lose, right? Well, no, Trump won, right, in 2016, and so does she ever retract that? Does her listeners ever uh, reprimand her or turn their back on her for disinformation? No. In fact, her numbers went up after the Trump administration well, you know, uh, became happens into power. Well, you know what happens is they don't get, um, they don't make real firm public statements when they've made a mistake. Like that whole issue with, um, you know, saying that Trump told people to find the fraud or whatever, you know, where his words were misrepresented. Yeah, they later, it was later admitted that that was misquoted and there was data that showed that. But there was just, people didn't even get a slap on the wrist. It was forgotten about. It was moved on to the next thing. Right. You know. And so, you know, what you have is you have you have wokeism. So you have political correctness and media bias as the precursors to wokeism. You have climate change as the precursor to COVID. You have polls, disinformation, and now we have rigged elections. Because these were the trial uh laboratories. It all started probably in California. California was the state where they say what happens in California, so goes the rest of the nation. And the point is, is that California is generally the testing lab. And they've been doing rigged elections longer than anybody. They had voted, the electronic voting machines because they've always been a one party. Well, they no, not, not always. Nixon and Reagan would belie, belie that. Um, the idea is that they were dealing with these rigged elections for quite a long time since probably before the year 2000 uh, and the rest of the, the country wasn't up to speed with all that uh, they were also with the open borders and turning illegals into voters and they were also the first in the forefront of ballot harvesting and chain of custody violations they were also on the forefront of early voting do you know how they discovered and, that a and, lot of people and gerrymandering? Were, do you know how they redistricting? Dis, do you know how they discovered how a lot that a lot of people were illegal immigrants that were voting? And it wasn't just in California; they got called up for jury duty because they were registered to vote. Right, that's right. <laughs> and they didn't want to go to jury duty, and then somehow they traced it back and and found out that these people were not even qual- shouldn't have been voting in the first place because they weren't that's citizens right. that's or right. you know they weren't qualified to vote. That's right. So you know you put these three things together. You got Black Lives Matter, but no other lives matter. That's like, yeah. That's like disinformation. That's reverse right? racism, right? But if we were to speak up against it, we're going to be censored. Right. We're, we're we're not being politically correct when we say all lives matter. Um, so they're basically trying to control the speech, and they're trying to control uh, the the person. They want you to wear a mask. I tr- I truly believe that this whole thing with the masks. Because uh, there's been so much de- demonstration that it doesn't really 
the efficacy is really lacking. And that given the efficacy, uh, the low efficacy, the low efficient rate or the low effective rate, um, then it really isn't that impactful with regard to the overall numbers. And in fact, like they're talking about with Texas and Florida and other states like South Dakota and, and other states where they're pulling the masks, mandates, I should say, pulling the mask mandates, uh, the numbers aren't changing. And so uh, you're faced with this situation where you have to ask the question, were they right? Well, Dr. Fauci is not the sharpest tool in the shed. I actually am beginning to realize that this guy is quite the moron. <laughs> and Pence, Pence was the guy that hired the, the fool. There's a story up on America Greatness that says Pence is not the man for the job. He doesn't have what it takes. And he doesn't. Pence never did have what it takes. He was lackluster. I don't even know why Donald Trump hired him. He could have gotten another establishment guy uh, like Mark Meadows or Jim Jordan. Well, speak, you know, my theory about Pence at the time was I thought the fact that Pence was willing to be more in the background was a good juxtaposition to Trump, who was the showman. And I think you know. Yeah, but so would so would have J- Jim Jordan. Well, p- well, probably, but you know, but but the point. Or, or Lee Zeldin. Yeah, well, Lee Zeldin is you know running for uh, governor now. Yeah, and a lot and, of uh, New York governors and a lot me. of Republicans that uh, have been taken seriously right. that are leaders in the House of Representatives right. that know how the system works. Right. Uh, um, of course. Yeah. So I just, I don't well, know why he picked Pence. Well, again, because Pence was a Ted Cruz guy. Well, well, there's that too, and I think we have a lot of examples of people that were originally Cruz people that came over to the Trump camp because including, an opportunity, including uh, Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, no, they came over to the Trump camp because that became the only game in town. Yeah. In any case, so so wokeism, political correctness, COVID, COVID's now the climate change on steroids. Again, it's just about control. Putting a mask on your face. Will they do it? Let's see how far we could take this. Let's see if we can come out with strain number two. Let's see if we can put a vaccine in their arm. Let's see if we could do all these things. And you know what? There's a lot of study out there that says uh, these things about the vaccines, that the vaccine's not going to be, it's not even going to be enough. That that Elon Musk, uh, listen to what he has to say about masks, about, about vaccines. He said flat out, I'm not taking it. Now, they're going to try to control you, and they're going to try to actually implement a vaccine passport. The vaccine passport is actually crumbling right now. Yeah. This whole vaccine passport thing in New York and elsewhere, the vaccine passport thing is failing miserably. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one comment about COVID. I, I saw some an interesting article that had to do with one thing that's not being discussed with COVID. Many of the people that are encountering COVID are people that are very that are very overweight. That's why when you go into the um, hierarchies of who can get the vaccine, if if you're overweight, that bumps you up on the list. But they're not telling the story that there's this correlation between obesity and the likelihood of being exposed to COVID because it's not politically correct to do so. So because because you're fat shaming or whatever. And so now you're suddenly seeing these articles which are coming out where they're talking about, okay, this is, you know, and they're showing people that are clearly overweight, but saying this is healthy. And they're doing and and they're ignoring the issue that obesity 
is one of the precursors that makes you more vulnerable to COVID. You know, and and the, and we're seeing this with a lot of other things. Like they don't talk about age. Make you know they, you know the fact that a lot of the people who have died from COVID are old. They they ignore these facts. And the obesity is even worse because it, it's perceived as being, um, you know, anti, you know, somebody who's carrying some extra weight. And then it's also because of ethnic populations tend to have greater levels of obesity. It's also believed as being a white supremacist to say this. But the but the interesting part about it is, is the richest countries are like our country are often the heaviest countries. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, so vaccine passports is struggling right now uh, from ethical standards, uh, ethical perspectives. But the wokeism and the elite. So, you know, we've been talking for a long time about you cannot have socialism without a strong, vibrant, working middle class. Absolutely. So, you know, because that's the class that says, don't tell me I can't put a deck on my house. Don't tell me I can't send my kids to the school of my choice. Don't tell me what religion or, or where I can and cannot worship. Don't tell me what color my picket fence is going to be outside my house. You know, so don't tell me about these things. But they're, they are. They're trying to do that. And the, and the whole concept about all this is this control. And so what Trump was doing was doing trade deals and lowering taxes. Uh, Biden was just on just on the the podium saying higher taxes isn't going to have an impact on jobs. Yeah. Well, it certainly will, and it everybody certainly knows will. it. And that's, Economy one hundred and one says it. But so Trump was about lowering the taxes, lowering the cost of energy, uh, working out better trade deals, and securing the border so that people don't come across the border. And steal our wealth, as it relates to redistribution of wealth, because we're giving a lot of money to these uh, these illegals, these illegal migrants are collecting a lot of money. They're getting a lot of benefits from the middle class. The middle class is going to pay for it. Meanwhile, their jobs are going to go back to Mexico and elsewhere and China, and they're going to be left holding the bag. They already are seeing this happen in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and other states. There's just no way that they voted for this guy. So what basically what they've done is they've rigged it. They've taken this censorship and they've taken this political correctness and turned it into wokeism and they've turned it into social uh, funding. It's social and, funding. And, and foreign it's... from foreign investors. And by the way, yeah. Act Blue... Um, has a uh, a setup where you don't have to disclose where your donors are coming from. Yeah. And uh, that's another level of uh, lack of transparency and secrecy. But we were also talking about the social media score. And social media score is where you all have to behave or you're going to be thrown off social media. So Twitch came out recently and said that you are going to have to behave Outside of our platform, because what you do outside of your our platform, what you say and do outside of our platform is going to uh, have an impact on whether we allow you to be part of our platform. And Twitch is owned by Amazon. So Twitch is owned by Amazon. Now, if you get kicked off of Twitch, who's to say that Amazon then can't pull your Prime membership so you can't get two-day shipping and... So who's to say that they can't stop 
Whole Foods, who they own, from actually allowing you to buy groceries. So now you have to go down the road instead of around the corner to get your groceries. And let me one-up you on this. We've, we've all enabled uh, these devices with girls' names to be in our homes. And so, and what if you're having You're talking a sim- about Echo devices and Alexa? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, you, you probably just activated one of them now. But what I was going to say is, who's to say if a couple is having or a family is having a simple conversation and this device mishears it, and suddenly they say, you know, on such and such date, you made this comment. Is Dyfus going to show up at your house? Is well, the police going to show up at your house? Well, guess what the third generation of the Fire TV yeah. uh, cubes and stuff are? They're going to incorporate cameras. Yeah. So now, not only not only do they listen to everything you say, but they also have cameras. So this is and George Orwell. This is Big Brother on steroids. Yeah, and we've served, we signed off on these things. When we signed off with Facebook... We said, I'm checking in. Yeah, we, we allowed were basing it, to ourselves to check in. And we were basing it on what they said on Capitol Hill. They said they weren't going to hurt us. They, they said they weren't going to censor us. They said that they weren't going to abuse us. They said they weren't going to meddle in elections. Yeah. But they, every one of those statements was a flat-out lie. Is there any accountability? No, because they said it where they weren't sworn under oath. And, you know, we need to demand that if you're going to show up at Capitol Hill, don't just make it a charade, but make it a, a count for something. It's got to count for something. They keep talking about Section 230, and they keep talking about breaking up these um, baby bells, you know, or, you know, the, the big uh, monopolies into baby bells, right? That's going back to the 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. you're dating um, yourself with those examples. Yeah, but, I mean, they need to break these up because these are more like utilities. Uh, like like uh, Clarence Thomas said recently, never before have we ever seen so much power of information uh, controlled by so few people. Yeah. Uh, just the three owners, the, the well, four people, really, uh, Someone like Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, right. and it's there's a two owners of over at Google. And so um, we we really need to get a, get, get a handle on it. But uh, Leonora, uh, you uh, and I were, were talking about Victor Davis yeah, Hanson. Yeah, he's, he's got a terrific article, and I'm, I'm just going to read something real quick from the article. These are the last lines. Wokeness is not really about fairness for minorities, the oppressed, and the poor, past or present. It is mostly a self-confessional cult of anointed bullies and hypocrites of all races and genders who seek to flex and increase their own privilege and power, period. That's how this you know, powerful article ends. And he makes a really good point in here. He uses... Uh, one of my Armenian people, as an example, Ed Bastian, who is the chairman of Delta, and basically talks about how um, he is, you know, protesting the Georgia law, you know, but he currently makes $17 million a year as a chief executive of Delta Airlines, but he's just blasting Georgia's new voting law, thinks it's racist, you know, to uh, require the same sort of ID to vote that George, that you, you basically need to have to board a Delta plane, and right? I bet you, I would love to see his surrounding network of, uh, Executives, right. I bet you they're mostly white. Right, exactly. So you have, so you have, a, so you have a guy who is protesting this. Yet he is, you know, the recipient of much privilege. But 
the point that Victor Davis Hanson makes so beautifully in this article is none of these people who are off speaking about advocating, none of these people are doing anything to actually help the disenfranchised. They don't do anything to um, help better the conditions of the people who are uh, less paid, who have lower paid salaries, or, you know, they don't do any of these things. They just speak up about it and talk about it in, you know, sort of generalities and, you know, and, uh, and the reason why they do this is because they are afraid of the woke mob and that's why the cons- that's why these corporations like as we were, we were talking about in the show earlier this week you know when the, the corporations they're all caving in because they're not afraid of middle middle america they're afraid of the woke mob they're afraid of the woke mob coming in and either destroying their businesses physically or destroying them going back to the point we we're just making them making a moment ago through social media yeah, that's but, what they're afraid of but you know the squeaky wheel gets uh, all the attention absolutely um, um, you know, when someone's in line and some, somebody's just, uh, you know, not able to wait and be patient like everybody right. else, they want to bang the drum and yeah. start screaming and make a scene. They're taken aside and they're put to the front of the line. There are other people that cut corners by not wanting to wait in the line to buy their ticket to an event, but they'll call in while they're in line. They'll call in and order two tickets uh, through their phone or their tablet or their iPhone and buy them online and then just save themselves a whole bunch of time. But the idea is is that a lot of these bad, poor behaviors, now buying your tickets online is not poor behavior, but um, but creating a ruckus and saying, you know, I'm, I'm tired of waiting in this line, um, like a lot of these illegal migrants do, and they instead break the law, uh, they get rewarded for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's the part that I, I think I have the most problem with. But he he does. He says that the most privileged CEOs of corporate America, those who sell us everything from soft drinks and sneakers to professional sports and social media, now jabber to America about its racism, sexism, and assorted sins. The rules of cynical CEO censure are transparent. First, the corporate corporation never harangues unless it feels it has more to lose. Now, I don't believe that wholeheartedly. I, I, well, I do believe it, but I do believe that that is all about um, weighing the, uh, balancing the, uh, the balance sheet, right? But I think it has to do with things that Victor Davis Hansen didn't go into in his article, and that is, I think it has something to do with China, well, and you know, China I, was brought up in, in, the, in the Ed Bastian example, the, the CEO yeah. of uh, Delta, because they, they don't say anything about how uh, chi- about how much China has uh, you know invested in the airline, you know, th- either through purchase tickets or other me- businesses, you know. Well, and you're also talking about the affordability of a uh, airplane. Yeah, airplanes are made from precious metals. China has a lot of them. So do uh, a lot of countries in the Middle East. Yeah. And we're talking about these precious metals that you mine. Uh, if you were to look into all these different um, types of metals, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, scientist that, that can rattle off a whole bunch of metals uh, that are used to make the fabric of a plane. But they are. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them. And I was surprised. I was talking about the Middle East. Um, a couple of years ago, and this came up just in passing, it wasn't the part of the main subject, but uh, these planes uh, use a lot of uh, 
a variety of things that that China and the Middle East have a lot of, and uh, so they control uh, a lot of these corporations. But in addition to that, um, MBA and and the media companies want all those eyeballs, all those people in China to be part of their audience and to turn that into ad dollars and to turn that into purchases of Coca-Cola and Pepsi and AT&T phone subscriptions. And so all the general players that are stepping up right now to do a solid, just like all the people that were corrupt uh, to help Joe Biden rig an election, are all getting rewarded now with fancy jobs, lobbying posts, and so on and so forth. The point is, is that there's always this pay-to-play going on in Washington, as there is elsewhere, not just Washington, D.C., but in these corporate worlds. China is going to reward these big corporations who actually, as it turns out, we didn't know it because they never flexed their muscles before in this way, that Harry S. Truman never had to deal with this kind of thing. Um, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, this was not done. Uh, and that uh, because the, the choices, I, I, there wasn't so much branding going right. on. Uh, but Coca-Cola and Pepsi and General Mills and Procter & Gamble owned so many different products. You don't even know which one to boycott. But the idea is that uh, they're going to get rewarded with, but again, like I said, they're dealing with the devil because China is going to own that corporation and they're going to be in the catbird seat. They're going to be in the power seat, controlling America media, controlling America politics through wokeism, through COVID, uh, uh, through Wuhan viruses. Right, not COVID, but Wuhan viruses, Chinese viruses, as part of Chinese terrorism. They control the world's economy through slave labor marketing, uh, slave labor markets, and manufacturing. And they now control the software that goes into machines that rig elections. So China is going to own America in more ways than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Not just with the land that they're buying all through the South. Not just through the land. And not just through the media. Because they love their controlled media. They want to control the narrative. And not just through the slave labor manufacturing, which no one can compete with because they have 1.5 billion people. But they also stole all the intellectual value. And they're going to have a military to back it up. So it's a very scary place to be in. And someone like Joe Biden, who has sold out to China for the last 50 years, uh, is not the man we want to, is not the person that needs to be in charge right now. It's Donald J. Trump that needs to be in charge. And hopefully we'll get four more years of Donald J. Trump. That brings us to the end of our show. My name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cravetta. We'll see you next time on The Scott Adams Show. Bye bye, everybody. A little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there